0: Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Vera Shafiq podcast, real and relevant discussions on business, marketing, technology, and digital. I'm your host, Vera Shafiq, and I talk to people in business and marketing who care about doing marketing the right way and want to be proud of the work they do. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe and review And I hope you enjoy the show. And talking of doing marketing the right way, are you a digital marketer looking to sharpen the saw when it comes to your professional skills? In that case, I highly recommend the university of Florida digital marketing certification. I'm honored to be a member of the steering committee for this program, which has been developed for marketing professionals of all levels and teaches you how to apply principles and techniques that drive success in marketing in the digital age. In this course, you'll get to solve real-world challenges and use practices developed by top companies, while digital marketing experts and professional instructors guide you through every step. Visit the link in the show notes for more info. And now let's dive into this week's episode. Hey everyone, today I wanted to talk a little bit about the different types of customer data that businesses can have at their fingertips and how they should be using different types of data as well as touching on the deprecation of third-party cookies and how that's going to affect third-party data going forward into 2022. So a lot of people are talking about first-party data but um, today I wanted to kind of unpack some of the different types of data that we could be working as, working with as marketers. So uh, first of all, let's, let's touch on what first-party data is because, you know, this is what we hear. It's the most valuable type of data. It's the data that stands the test of time. So what is first-party data and why should you be gathering it? Well, first-party data is a variety of data points gathered about your customer or your prospects. And usually there's uh, one of about four different ways that you can gather this data. So it's either by having a pixel on your website or your app, and this pixel will track the behaviors and interests of anyone who comes to your website. So, you know, whether they browse one page or five pages, how long they spend on your website, if they abandon cart, if they purchase, and um, all other kinds of data points. The other way of capturing first-party data is by uh, getting their email address or their text num- their phone number or uh, any kind of contact data that you get from your customers and store it in your CRM. Usually, it's an email address. And then, of course, you know, there's your list of newsletter subscribers. Again, that would be an email address. Or there's also social media data that you can gather through your social media channels. And again, all of this first-party data will get stored in your CRM and become a kind of a profile on your customer data set. Um, so first-party data is awesome because of several reasons. One, it's true, you know, it's a true uh, statement of your customer. That is a customer that came to your website and voluntarily shared their information with you. So it's your data, you own it, it's very accurate. um, And typically, it's going to be up to date, as long as you're, you know, updating your CRM and your uh, data database. So, um, you know, we talk about first party data as being super important now going forward. And now that third party data or third party cookies are being deprecated, the Chrome browser is no longer going to be Um, allowing third-party cookies as of, Google says that's going to be as of 2022 sometime, probably early 2022. So what this means is that the third-party data that has been captured, you know, with the use of these cookies, right? And and third-party cookies are the way in which third-party data is captured, right? So What we're going to see is that this data is going to become a little bit, um, thin. We're going to see, uh, holes in third-party data as the deprecation of cookies matures. And, you know, the longer we go without cookies, the less effective third-party data is going to become. So, um, we want to really think about our data on different levels and figure out ways to leverage the different types of data that we have on our customers and our prospects and really work smarter with the data that we have and work towards a strategy that's going to be future-proofed and allow us to grow and scale as a business without having to rely on third parties. So um, we talked a little bit about first-party data and what that is. And again, you know, the best way to kind of make that strategy watertight is to give your uh, website visits, visitors as many opportunities as you can to share their email address or phone number with you on your website. So, you know, this means offering lead magnets, this could be free downloads, free information, uh, free consultations, uh, anything that's going to be a valuable exchange between you and your prospects and customers on your website. So um, typically, someone who lands on your website isn't going to be a customer, but you have to offer them something that they feel is worth giving their email address in return for. So you need to figure out what that is and create you know, a newsletter sign-up form or an email sign-up form on your website that allows them to share this data with you voluntarily. And once you get this data... There's plenty of things that you can do with it. And we'll talk a little bit more about that um, in a second. Um, Let's move on to a type of data that isn't talked about as much as first party data, but but which can be super valuable um, to brands and businesses. And that's second party data. So what is second party data? That is someone else's first party data that you obtain and use for your own purposes now, it's data that you can get from other companies or publishers who have an audience set that you're interested in. So, um, you know, the way that you can obtain this is obviously you can pay for it. You can um, forge relationships with publishers and other brands and companies uh, whom you're interested in because they, they own a first-party data set that could be valuable to you as a business. And then, you know, you can uh, strike a deal on that by p- paying a certain amount of money or potentially exchanging your data, your first party data with them them, so that you can have kind of a, a mutual and beneficial exchange. Um, and there are second party data marketplaces out there and available to marketers where you can find this and kind of get, get hold of this kind of data. So for example, if you're a brand that sells yoga apparel, um, you could partner with uh, an at-home yoga meditation app brand or a brand that, um, sells some kind of yoga related, you know, material or downloads or anything like that. So you're not competing directly with them. You're, you know, they're not selling apparel and you're not selling a a yoga app, but your target audience is very similar, right? There's some synergies there. And so it would be beneficial to approach this brand and see if you could get hold of their first party data. So you're not competing with each other, but you're mutually benefiting from each other's um, data sets. And the beauty of second party data is it's a really nice way to scale your first-party data. Because in most cases, brands don't have a ton of first-party data. It's it's not as scalable as you know some of these other types. And um, it could be limiting to the amount of exposure and reach that you're you're able to get. Uh, in order to, you know, expand out and scale your business and grow your business. So with second party data, you, you know, lean on another company to provide you with their data. And now uh, you can be 100% sure that this data is privacy compliant. Um, so it's definitely gone through the the privacy checks and security of, you know, making sure that whoever has shared that data is fine with them sharing it with you. And it's typically going to be more accurate, again, than third-party data because it's right from the horse's mouth, right? It's a first-party data set that belongs to a brand that has actually captured this right from the customer. So second-party data is a great way to scale and grow your customer database. Um, And I highly recommend uh, looking into that, especially as we go towards 2022, and start um, kind of facing some of the repercussions of the loss of third-party cookies. And then finally, uh, let's talk about third-party data, which we kind of touched on a little bit. Um, And that is data that is gathered from outside sources who are not the original collectors of the data itself. So this data is typically bought from large aggregators that buy it from disparate sources like publishers and brands. And, you know, as a marketer, if you've ever targeted audiences through digital marketing platforms or programmatic platforms and DSPs, you'll know that you have available to you third-party audiences, which are segmented out by interest, affinity, in-market preferences, demos, and then are sold to you typically at an additional CPM cost. So this is the data that has been gathered through cookies, third-party cookies that have been placed On websites. And this is the data that potentially is going to become less and less trustworthy, less and less robust, and less and less accurate, um, especially with the deprecation of the third-party cookie. So, um, you know, traditionally, third-party data has been used by most marketers. I I don't know any marketer that that hasn't used third-party data. And the reason being, it's just a great way to scale your marketing campaigns. It's quick and easy to obtain. It allows you to reach audiences that you otherwise would not have been able to reach. It allows you to test audiences that, again, you wouldn't have been able to, to test uh, using your first party data or even your second party data. And uh, especially if performance marketing folks uh, who are looking for you know quick results, direct results, Looking for conversions and sales rather than uh, branding effect uh, have been used, you know, have been used to using third-party data really heavily, and uh, it's been a, it's been a, a pretty effective way of getting traction and performance on campaigns. Um, the other great thing about it is it's highly scalable, which I mentioned, and um, you can then use that data to create lookalike audiences from your first-party data. So again. Uh, It's very useful to enrich your existing data set with. Now, um, if you're a CPG brand, for example, who relies heavily on retail media such as Amazon, Walmart, you may not have access to the first party data that I talked about earlier that I said was so valuable and that you should really work hard to capture. Because as we know, the platforms, um, the marketplaces such as Amazon and Walmart Uh, typically don't share their first-party data, well, they don't, right? It's a black box. So you, as a brand, do not get insight into who your customers are if they bought on a platform such as Amazon. So as a CPG brand of this kind, of this breed, you you really do need third-party data to some extent. So again, you know, there's no silver bullet to saying, okay, let's just do away completely with the third-party data targeting. But, you know, these are use cases where Third-party data still is going to be needed and um, will still need to be uh, leveraged. So, um, you know what we do know about third-party third-party data is it's not people-based, right? And by this I mean it really isn't. Um, foolproof in the sense that it only tracks people on the cookie level. And that's the browser level. So if, for example, someone has viewed someone's website on a mobile phone, and then went ahead and purchased the product on their desktop, that data has been lost, right? We've lost the trail of tracking. And the cookie does not therefore, uh, you know, partake of that, that particular behavior that happened and therefore third-party data isn't necessarily the best and the most accurate type of data to use. It never really has been, but, um, you know, it's been good enough for us, for, for marketers to be able to get, you know, good results and to be able to to use it and, and target and expand their, their campaigns. So having said all of this, what is the best strategy for collecting data, and making the best use of it. And again, we want to be we want to work smarter with the information that we have on our customers and prospects. And we want to really grab the low hanging fruit, um, you know, data sets first, and uh, I guess enhance them and develop them and make them uh, more richer and more um, usable for us over time. So uh, there's a type of data that I didn't mention yet, and it's something that again isn't talked about as much as first-party data and third-party data, and that's zero-party data. And that this is something that is going to be a really uh, kind of integral part of of the, the marketer's tool set going forward, because it's it's a really great way to enrich your first-party data and to understand more about what your customers and prospects are all about psychologically, um, behavior-wise, attribute-wise, and all that good stuff. So what is zero party data? Zero party data is taking your first party audience and getting them to share voluntarily additional information about themselves with you. And this could be things like, um, you know, what platform do they like to shop on the most? What is their favorite type of product in your, um, product line that they like to buy? Uh, are they early adopters or are they, are they likely to wait? Um, you know, if there's a new product that comes out, will they wait or will they buy it as soon as it comes out? Uh, how loyal are they to your brand? What do they like to purchase, um, on sale versus, you know, things that they don't particularly wait for to go on sale? Um who is likely to buy on a discounted item versus on a full price item and vice versa. So you get the message, you know, you get the, dr- the drift. It's it's ways to take your email addresses and your phone numbers that you have um, about your customers. You might already have the geolocation and some other information about them, but it's a way to enrich it and to get a lot, of, a lot better, clearer picture of your customer profiles and almost get a one-on-one view of every single customer. And the way you gather this is by, you know, sending out surveys, talking to your customer, basically, right? Send them a survey, put a poll up on your website or on your social media channels, um, put up a pop-up, uh, an exit pop-up on your website that may ask them some questions before they leave. Uh, it could be, even involve calling up your customers and talking to them in person. So all kinds of ways to really get in touch with your customer, communicate with them on a one-on-one level and have them voluntar- voluntarily, and that's the key word, voluntarily share information with you on what's going on in their mind and what's going on in their life and what they're looking for and what their pain points are, etc., etc. So that's zero party data. And honestly, this is going to be the kind of holy grail of 2022 if if you were to want to call it that um because or you know even before you know you don't want to wait till 2022 you want to actually get some of this stuff in place starting now it's super important that you you know you start to put these processes and um, platforms in place to get this type of information from your customer because you know that we all know these things don't happen overnight right um putting in that system to collect that That zero-party data. is going to take a while. It's going to take some, you know, development and some testing and some learning. So that's why I would say definitely get started on that ASAP so that you're well-prepared in advance of all the changes that are going to be happening. So what we've talked about um, is almost a kind of a funnel in itself in terms of data. So we can look at it as a data funnel. We're starting at the top, with third-party data, right? Um, We're using third-party data to get really broad reach and, um, just a really wide audience and be able to test and learn there. And then as we go down the data funnel, right, you're going to get, go to second party data, which is, as we talked about the first party data that belongs to other brands, and then you're going to make that your own data, right? And then further down the data funnel is the first-party data, which we all know and love, and it's you know the best way to really get accurate, relevant, and true data directly from the horse's mouth. And then finally, there's the zero-party data, which is right at the bottom of that funnel of data. And the zero-party data is the enriched, enhanced first-party data that gives you a really clear look at your customer profiles, to understand what they're all about and how you can help them going forward. Once you have all of this in place, the beauty is that you're now able to do personalization at some kind of scale because now you have the ability to segment your audience out in some very granular ways because you really have polled your audience and understand them a lot better than just high-level information about that person and now you can go about getting your content super, super customized to each of those profiles that you have been able to strip and extract out of your data. Now that word personalization has really come back into vogue again. There was a time, you know, a couple of years ago where all marketers were talking about personalization. Then it kind of faded away a little bit you know it just became a word that was taken for granted but now it's back again and it's really back with a vengeance because it's all about personalization at scale and people marketing at the end of the day is what we are um, trying to aim for and by people marketing I mean we're marketing to individuals almost or at least small small segments of people who have specific attributes traits uh psychographic um kind of uh, profiles and so w- you know personalization i think is going to be the word of 2021 and 2022 it's like it's it's just the big um kind of elephant in the room that really needs to be addressed at this point point. and um you know I'm, I'm really excited about the fact that we are going to be able to uh give our customers a much better experience going forward because we've been forced to stop using or stop relying on third-party data so much. You know, uh, historically, marketers have kind of gotten lazy. And there's an analogy that I heard um, the other day in a podcast is that, you know, we marketers have got really fat and lazy off the cookies, the third-party cookies, and it's time for us to wean ourselves off those cookies, right? It's time for us to get healthy. And um, try and you know stop relying on those third-party cookies because at the end of the day, it's not doing us as as much good as as we think it is. And so, you know, as I said, I'm excited to start leveraging some of this other data—zero-party, first-party, second-party data—to make the customer experience a lot more um, palatable, a lot more valuable, a lot more engaging for our customers, and, um, you know, being able to do it in a, in a pretty robust and intuitive way. Well, I hope that little rundown of all the different types of data and how you can make best use of it going forward was helpful to you. Um, that's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. Well, that's it for today, folks. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did like what you heard, please subscribe to catch more episodes. And I'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review and share with your friends and colleagues. Visit my website at verashafiq.com. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram and Clubhouse or send me an email. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time.